Hello, my friends. Today, we are talking about decisions, the weight of decisions that can literally crush us as business owners and CEOs. As we get bigger, they become tougher. Or do they? I'm discussing that today with Alana Harari, the COO of the Philodomo Group, and we're going to look at how to make this a little bit easier. Because as leaders, that's our job, and we want to make that as easy as possible. Hope you enjoy. So one of the challenges we all have as business owners in growing businesses is the more successful we become, the more decisions we have to make. It's just a byproduct of growth. It's a byproduct of having a successful business and it's a byproduct of fixing or finding solutions for things that you've never done before. And you find one solution and it opens up a hell of a lot of new decisions that need to be made. Now, the challenge we have when we're small and we may be a little inexperienced at the start is we worry about being liked. We worry about decisions being hated. And then you find people who go, oh, no, I'm really great at making decisions. And then you realize it's because their businesses are so small that their decisions have zero relevance anyway. So it's always easy to make a decision when you don't have impact. But as you start to get bigger and bigger as a business, you actually have the ramifications of your decisions. And it's an adjustment that we all need to make as leaders, not only from a structural point of view in our business, but also emotionally. We have to understand that every decision has an equally challenging byproduct of what didn't happen in that decision, if that makes sense. And maybe not making sense is where I'll say, Alana, hello. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, uh, Nigel here with the ever trusting, making sure everything's happening and that we don't go off track or particularly I don't go off track. But Alana, particularly in this, decision making, as we know, is everything. Your job as a leader is to make decisions. But I'll talk a bit today about you know making some really poor decisions, not poor as in they weren't able to be made, but the human cost and some of the, the things you live with at night when you're by yourself. But in terms of your businesses and, and your role in the organization, how do you view this type of challenge for someone who may be finally into a point where their decisions have impact? It's a very interesting one because you often feel that you can't make a decision if you haven't had the experience. And the catch-22 of that is the more decisions you make, the more experience you get. So from a business owner point of view, it's trusting your gut that you've gotten this far, that whatever decision you make is not the end. It could be a road to the next step or it could be a misstep, but it's that action of making a decision is what the people around you are looking for. From an employee or a team member's point of view, it's the idea or the understanding that the decision makers aren't perfect. They're not infallible. They're moving the business in the right direction. So what role do you play within that decision-making process? And how can you add the most value and the most assistance to that person making that decision to get the business or the brand to the next iteration of whatever they might be? With that, there is, well, first of all, If you're sitting there and you're thinking, do you know what? I'm actually a very good decision maker. First of all, good on you. But second of all, do your decisions actually have much impact on anyone around you? Is your business big enough that even the the smallest decisions can have ramifications on a lot of people? Because this is the thing. We're preparing you 
to think about things that are going to happen in the future as you start to have other people's lives in your hand. Now, that's a big responsibility. And if you have any form of conscience, you do think about that. You do think about not only is this what the business needs, but the human capital with some of the things you have to, you know, the decisions you have to make. You might have seen even recently some of the big companies that have had to lay off thousands and thousands of staff. And those that haven't run businesses, you hear a lot of the fanfare of what a bad company, why did they do that? They're just trying to make more money. And in some instances, that is the case. But in others, these decisions had to be made in order to not lose the whole thing and every single person losing their job 18 months, two years down the track. It's not always as it seems. Not every decision is going to be popular and sometimes you have to do really tough things. But how do you actually get used to that? How do you actually realize that that is something that you are going to have to do? And in fact, it's why you are important. And I think we'll touch on it today, but it's also that understanding that not making the decision is actually making a decision. You might be deep. <laughs> you might be not making a decision on something now that will end up causing more pain down the road, which if you're not making a decision because you want to be liked or not making a decision because you don't want to be seen as playing favorites or whatever that might be, that act is actually what can cause most drama and most conflict down the road. Particularly people who have bought into wanting to be part of your company. They're looking for strength around decision-making. I had a mentor once upon a time that used to say, the reason I'm the boss is not only that I own the company, but the reason that he still kept his role in the company is because he could make decisions faster than anyone. And he had to be 50% right. Uh, and I was like, what do you mean? Yes. I just need to get things moving. And then if it looks like that was the wrong decision, we make the adjustments necessary. But the worst thing you can do is have a cultural, a cultural view of slowing down on every decision, particularly ones that you can adjust down the track. It was more important to move faster and fix things, which obviously being the opposite of the old Facebook saying, move fast and break things, than overanalyzing things, which is particularly for smaller businesses, something that they do. And we want to talk a little bit about how do we make better decisions because if we arm ourselves with the right information, it doesn't really become a big decision. It just becomes a decision that has to be made. And then your job moves from why do I have to keep considering impossible decisions to my job is to lead us in this direction because there is no other decision to be made. What we're going to tap on today, Lana, is a lot about smaller businesses putting way too much weight in some of their decisions. I had a very interesting experience the other day on one of these online forums, which I like to flick through from time to time to see the general feel of how people are, are going out there. And there was a, a new entrepreneur talking about they'd spent two months analyzing which phone plan to go on. It made me laugh because you think back and when you start business, everything seems such a big decision. But when you look at there, anyone who spends two months thinking about a phone plan for a small business is probably not going to survive business because they just don't know where their priorities should be. And, and even that is their biggest decision right now compared to when you get a bigger company, you don't have a second to think about that. In fact, you trust someone to get the right thing. It shouldn't be your time. And I'd like to explore that today because I think if you get comfortable with the process you have as a leader to make good decisions and arm yourself with 
as much of the information you can without getting the diminishing return of overanalyzing, you can become a very, very effective leader and also a leader that people will trust that when you make a decision, it's the right thing to do. So let me then drop this one on you. Should you sack someone on Christmas Eve? Is that a tough decision? And what is your first thoughts? I'm saying, you know what? We're going to have to get rid of those people on Christmas Eve. That'll be the last thing we say when we say goodbye. If it's saying that, I feel a little bit horrible. But how are you feeling when you hear that? What's your first gut instinct on that? So, Lana, when we talk about it is, should we sack people on Christmas Eve? I don't know if this is the unpopular opinion, but straight away with my experience of employees and of teams, does it make them happier? Not Christmas Eve, obviously, the timing's not great, but does them not being in the company allow them to do something bigger or better? Does it make them... Not on Christmas Eve. Well, that's, that's just a timing discussion. From my point of view, is it bad? Yes. Will it make the company better? Will it make the person better? Well, I guess this is the point, isn't it? What has that got to do with anything? And so if, you're, if we're here and we're making decisions, because this is one that comes up, I had this on a few years ago with a company. The company did not do what they needed to do for the Christmas period in terms of the sales fell flat. We had to make some adjustments. It was obvious that they were going to run out of cash. So we needed to make some drastic decisions. Now, the problem was a lot of people go on holidays over that period, so that was going to equally not work. So we actually had to ask the question, you know, on the 24th of December at the time, should we get rid of these people? And it wasn't a huge company, but it was big enough where, you know, everyone knew everyone. How do you actually work backwards through that? Because naturally what happens is people go the wrong way. Does Christmas Eve have any ramification on the decision-making process? And obviously this is an example, so we're, you know, I'm being a bit, silly because you still have to consider a lot of things if you're a human person. But if you know that this is a decision that has to be made, do you wait till after Christmas or do you wait till the company needs to, you know, as in more dire straits because of being nice? And it's a horrible thought because you know the ramifications of someone being sacked on Christmas Eve where they're about to spend time with their family, they're about to do all these things, but you've got to understand what's your role as a leader. And these are the things that come up where it's like, what sort of leadership have I got? First of all, why is the company in that position that you're waiting to Christmas Eve? But secondly, should that impact your decision? And this will be a lot of debate because I don't think there is a right or wrong answer. In this case, it was black and white. They could not keep that person on, but it doesn't mean that's easy. And I think the question comes back to your experience is how much experience have you had to see what happens if you keep the person? What happens if you sack the person? What happens to the business and the other employees? And it's only until you've actually had that experience that you're talking about now is you know what the ramifications of deciding to or deciding not to actually has on the business. Let me give you a second example. A friend of mine had a company and they won a massive contract and the contract was over many months. When they got to the end of the contract, 
like a lot of big projects, there were some runovers and things like that and they were playing catch up. And the guy that was essentially one of the main managers for the rollout of the project, it was a Friday afternoon and his daughter had her first recital at school. And the work that they had to have got done by Saturday morning when the rollout the trucks started shipping everything wasn't complete. And the guy came to him and said, okay, I'm off to see my daughter's recital. He said, if you leave before that's done, you don't need to come back Monday. This is an employee of 10 years. Was he wrong? The employee to ask to leave or the manager to? You can take <laughs> anyone. As I said, a lot of these are, you know, I'm just grabbing some examples of things that I've witnessed and been a part of, but these are the sort of things that come up that, are tough because, I mean, let's break that down. Well, let's start with the employee. Is that the right thing from an employee? This person, by the way, has been killing themselves for six months trying to get this project done. He wasn't lazy. What I would do versus what others would do would be very interesting, but it also is values and morals. What's happening again in the business that this person can't take off two hours? It's a bigger question than their work ethic. Because that two hours would have made them miss the deadline. That's the same thing I asked, by the way. <laughs> it's almost pulling it back to the root cause of the decision. Yeah, but at the end of the day, you were there and they were either going to miss the deadline or they were going to hit the deadline and the only way that could happen is that employee missing his daughter's first recital at school. I'm making everyone in the studio <laughs> uncomfortable, which is the point of this, I guess. But this is the hard thing. All of you listening are going to come up with these type of decisions in your life and your business. Now, there are so many variables in that instance that you can look at, but at the end of the day, this person had a value set in their company that if we screwed up this contract, we could potentially not get paid for it and everyone would have to be sacked. This guy will never get to go to his first daughter's recital ever again. So, is there a right or wrong? Or are both people equally? right in the things they want to do. It's horrible. Money can't buy seeing that. You don't get to go and replay your daughter's recital, not just from seeing it, from supporting your kids. So your value set for being the employee, maybe you do walk out, but this person's been very loyal for many, many years, but that was the situation. And these are the sort of things that you have to really consider, which is sometimes in order to get the business where you want to go, you have to play your hand and others have to play their hand. Listen, I can't say he's the best person in the world. I must admit, I must sit there and say he's pretty hard ass. But he does have his employees' benefits at the forefront of his mind and he did not want to have to get into a possibility that they could actually shut the company down or he could actually lose this contract or he could actually have to lay off people in three or four months because they miss a key deadline. That's one of those, is it an impossible decision? You've touched on an interesting point that I personally enjoy, which is the effect of others' perceptions on your decision-making process. Yeah. And it's very common for someone to make a decision, publicly or privately, as in big company or small company, and the opinions from everyone else around them was, was that a good decision or was that a bad decision? And it's that almost lack of having the full picture. And so if we take that example of the man wanting to go and see the recital and Without the full picture, you say, but he misses his child's first recital. But with the full picture, you might say, the company shuts down, 45 people lose their jobs. It's the one child to save the rest idea. 
And as a leader, when you make a decision, your job is almost to forget, I don't want to say forget the emotion, but have that as a piece of the puzzle. But your job is to make the decision for the mandate of the company, which is to keep it successful, to keep everyone employed in it. And while it might not be a popular opinion, what happens if you fire one person to save the 40? This is the point of this whole discussion is it is difficult because we do care for people. But the reality is, is as a leader, what is your job? Your job is one, to care for your people. But the second thing is to keep the company viable, keep the company moving in the direction it needs to in order to keep everyone with their jobs, keep growing, doing all those sort of things. These are the types of conflicts you're going to have as a leader. These are the type of decisions that you will fight with because you'll be knowing the right decision for the company, but you'll have that human aspect. And that's the challenge that a lot of people have. Don't get me wrong, there are some horrible people in the world, people that would only think about the company and not think at all about the other people. I'm hoping that's not you. But if you've got any sort of care for others, these things are going to weigh on you. But if you're finding yourself in a lot of these decision-making situations, and we're being a little silly, I'm you know, putting some mayonnaise on a lot of these scenarios to make them a little bit, uh, a bit harder to make decisions, but they're probably not out of the realm of pretty normal. If you're finding yourself in too many big decisions in your world, we're probably missing a few steps and they're the things we should break down and work out. Well, how do we make decisions a little bit easier? How do we make sure decisions aren't life or death? Because you shouldn't be tossing a coin many times in your business. In fact, most decisions, if you've got your business running well, should be pretty easy. There's this whole, oh my God, this will make or break us. That's probably more of a problem for very small companies or very big companies that have failed to adjust. But let's talk a little bit, I think, around how to make sure we arm ourselves with a little bit of data and a little bit of knowledge to make sure that we're not making life or death decisions every day. Because if we're doing that, that is not a business you want to be involved with. So let's start with that statement, life or death. That's generally a decision that needs to be made where you have screwed up everything beforehand. A lot of the time, it's not life or death. It might be not the same as it was, but we're hoping that you're not having to make life or death decisions in your company a lot of the time. If so, then we've got some other problems. But Lana, particularly with that, how do we avoid making these life or death, in inverted comma, decisions? What's the first thing that you do when you're looking at making decisions that seem to have more weight or will change the behaviors and direction of the company at that point? The first thing that I do is to pull back to the plan. What is it that the business is there for? What is the business growing to? What is, what is the reason for the business being? And my business's aim is to grow. It is to be profitable. And if you start from that, you get to pull back all your decisions to does this make me more profitable or does it not? And if the answer is it doesn't, it's not a, that it's a direct, no, we're not doing it. It's if we do this, we're doing it with open eyes and we know that it could take us a little bit further away from our goal, but at the end of the day, it's going to get us closer to our goal. Yeah, so the first thing is any company that we have, there must be a strategic plan. If you're, if you're out there going, oh, decisions are so hard and we go, well, which decision aligns closer to your goal and strategic plan for the quarter or for the year, for the next decade? And you go, oh, I'm not sure. Well, there's your problem. You have no idea where you're heading anyway. So it's only a matter of time before you hit an iceberg. 
first of all is getting that strategic plan. If you don't know where you're heading, it is impossible to make decisions. And you don't need to have it in detail because we need to be agile and fluid and, and looking for opportunities, but you can't be blind because that's when it is life or death because you're just gambling. And we don't gamble, we build companies. And a perfect example of that is us, I know Tim, you've spoken about it before, sitting in a podcast. It's hours and hours of work a week. Now, is that helping us grow right now? Not at the fastest speed. Is that going to, in the future, help us grow at the best way possible? We all believe so. And so that decision has been made. It's not a direct path, but it's going to be the best path because it gets us there in the future faster. I think we should break that down because that's probably an interesting one that on a lot of levels, which is particularly things like this, a podcast. Now, this does not in the early stages help with any form of revenue. In fact, it is a sink of money from a time, energy, equipment. I should put this in. It's a lot of fun. By the way, I enjoy talking to you, but one of our strategic goals is to help every business. So this is a mass distribution outlet for us. We can help and the way we're helping or we hope we're helping is by giving our opinion. Now, it'll either be advice that you like or help you with some thinking or you'll think we're completely full of it and you'll do the opposite. Either way, we've been a catalyst for help. So I'm good with that. That's still a decision. That's still a decision. (laughs) But that's the point of this. It's not going to contribute to the bottom line in any shape or form for probably ever. But it's aligned to what we want to do as a company and our value set. So it's a very worthy investment. And these are the things you have to work out. It's not, as Lana said, does it align to profit? And a lot of you listening there, that will be your goal. We want to make more money. We want to grow. We want to be a better company. We're growing our asset. It's not the only thing that companies have, which is profits obviously important because we need to survive and we need to reinvest. But you have to know what are your goals. So for us, yes, making money is important and a part of our company. The other part is contributing, which is why we invest money into this now because profit's not the only thing we're focused on because for us, that's too hollow. We're not in this game for that. But without that understanding and particularly across the company, everyone would be going, you're mad. Why are you spending so much time and energy doing something that doesn't make money? You could be making 10 times the amount doing something else, but that's not the point of this. And you have to be clear on that, particularly as a leader, because if you don't see that and you can't see exactly why you're doing things or the reason you're doing things, you'll basically never do anything that you can't see a direct quick return. And that's not necessarily how to build an ongoing great company. And linking back to the comment before about making decisions and being impacted by the thoughts of other people, as Tim has just said, people probably think that we're a little bit crazy doing this, that it's a time sink or that there's no end goal. And it comes back to this idea of that's an opinion that someone has based on what I like to deem the incomplete data. They've made a decision from their opinion. I know for a fact, Tim, that you've got experience, you've got strategic foresight in what's happening. Excellent. Good looks. Stunning personality. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you have a plan. So you're making decisions off your own set of data that someone else doesn't have. And this comes back to making a decision to run a podcast for an end goal that not everyone's privy to. I know in our company, they're privy to it. So that's great. But some clients, some people listening would be thinking, but this is a waste of time and money and energy, which is what we're talking about is 
it is for the person who's not privy to the data set of your experience, which is how you make decisions. That's right, which is if you're out there and you don't have, first of all, the plan, or second of all, you have incomplete data. Now, this is where it's an art form more than a science. You're never going to have all the information you need to make the perfect decision because the outcome is unknown. You're using your best knowledge and experience and data to make a better decision or be right more than half the time. Why do we say more than half the time? Because basically that's a 50-50 chance on whatever you do. But what data do you need access to in order to make a decision? And what is the weight of that data in terms of importance of making that decision? So if you need to go and buy some milk for the coffee machine, you don't probably need to overthink that or find the average variable rate of milk per liter and where the cows have come from. It's just like, I can grab any milk, I'm going to whack it there. And as long as someone's not like those intolerant, I haven't poisoned them, I'm pretty good. So that's a quick decision that you probably don't need to make as a leader. If you're looking at a strategic plan because you need to make heavy investments and you're doing things that if you don't get it sort of right, it could set the timings or the company back in some way, then obviously you're getting advisors in, you're doing some planning, you're doing financial modeling and all these sort of things. But this is the point of when you get to a tough decision, are you setting yourself up for failure because you haven't sought out the data you need to make a better decision, but also not paralyzing yourself by trying to find too much data for a decision that doesn't need it. Because if you slow down too much, it doesn't matter if you had the perfect amount of data and you got all the information and it was too late to make the decision anyway because the opportunity's passed. Or using that as an excuse. I've worked with people before who could never make a decision because they just didn't have the right information. That information was never going to appear. It was information that could only come through experience and making the decision to see what came next. And that's something that I think a lot of business owners and leaders face is a lack of confidence in the ability that it will all be okay, that they've got a solid foundation of the business. So if they make a decision and it's the wrong decision, the world doesn't actually end. Particularly in smaller businesses, you get the opportunity to switch, Mm. change, adjust. And you can say whatever it might be that, and quite often it is our egos. We think that our decisions are so big that we're going to have such an impact. When in actual fact, it's not. Even in your personal life, if you ever think around, you know, what was a big decision I had to make two years ago that paralyzed me from movement? Is it still got that level of control over you? It's just the nature of it all that actually things change. And what was big for you yesterday won't be big for you today because you've actually jumped that hurdle. In fact, the fact that you've moved past it allows you to think more entrepreneurially. And we're quite privileged in that the people that we work with and have worked with, they've always told you and me particularly, Tim, that we think five steps ahead. We actually have to bring our thinking back to the current because we know what's going to happen. We know that by making this decision, these are the five things that will come from it. And each one of those have got another five things and another five things repeated. But because we've built a small business, because we've gone down almost every route a business could go down, We know that even if it's wrong, we've got the backup plan, the plan, well, you don't like plan Bs, but we've got the faith in ourselves that our decisions will be okay. But also we know that we've surrounded ourselves with the smartest individuals and the right sorts of clients and the right sorts of mentors that our decisions, they're not life and death. 
they're quite rarely cutting off the limb to save the life. They're a step in the right direction that allows what we want, which, as you've said, is growth of business, but also making a difference. Your job as a great leader or someone who's getting better as a leader is to refine your art form, which is how is my decision-making process done? And as you get more experience, you have more wins, you have more losses, you'll start to refine that. And you can see it even when you look at pro sports players, you know, they've had a few years in the big leagues, their decision-making powers become a lot more refined because they're used to it. They think about things differently. They understand the game at a different level. And it's the same with business. You understand the game at a different level. You understand which frustrations in a business you need to fix and which frustrations you don't have time to fix because they'll work themselves out in the fullness of time. It's about understanding which fires you need to allow to keep burning and which ones you need to put your attention on. Because the nature of getting a bigger business is there's always someone screwing up. That's part of every business. Someone's always going to be doing something that's not the way you would do it. But that's okay because it's allowing you to get bigger because you need to make sure that you keep improving the way the business operates so little fires get distinguished without you having to have any impact. That's a topic for another, another day, but it's very important that making these decisions quickly and efficiently is a very, very powerful thing. And so you have to find a way to move quickly and move effectively when there's a lot to be done. Well, that is us done for another week, team. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. As always, you can head on over to backable.ai to access all the downloadables we've put together and maybe get some help lifting the weight of some of those heavier decisions. If you enjoyed this week's podcast, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and if you have a minute, please leave a review. It would mean the world to us. Now, as always, there is a lot going on in the world of both Backable and Philodemo. So if you want to stay up to date, please follow us on one or all of the platforms you can find in the show description below. That's all from us for now. Have a great week and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Bye.